Hey everyone, it's time to come together at Anthology Together, July 12th through 15th, 2021 at the Gaylord Texan Resort and Convention Center. In person, yes, I said it, Elizabeth and I are excited to announce that this is the first time we will ever meet in person. The Edip Experience will be there recording. It's going to be exciting. You can register at anthologytogether.com and enter the promo code EDUPPROMO with only the D being lowercase. That's E-D-U-P-P-R-O-M-O with only the D lowercase for $75 off your registration. It's time to come together, ladies and gents. We'll see you at Anthology Together. Welcome back to America's leading higher education podcast, The EdUp Experience, where we make education your business. Hosts Dr. Joe Salustio, Elizabeth Leiba, and producer Elvin Freitas bring you the brightest and most influential minds in higher education today. We explore innovations, ideas, and issues in higher education and beyond, and hopefully have a little fun along the way. Now let's get to it. Welcome back, everybody. This is the EdUp Experience, where we make education your business, interviewing the brightest and most influential minds in higher education and beyond. My name is Dr. Joe Salustio, always with me, by my side, keeping me straight and narrow, more narrow than straight. My partner, co-founder of the EdUp Experience, founder of the Black History and Culture Academy, 68,000 LinkedIn followers, countless others that she's influenced over time. I don't know what else to say. Let me just introduce her, Liz. <laughs> I am literally holding in my laughter. I don't even know where this is all coming from. This is amazing. Thank you so much, Dr. Salustio. Oh. I appreciate being with you here today. I'm honored and privileged to be with start me. this episode to be with you to be, to start this episode with you and do you see how easy it was for me to do all the pomp and circumstance for you and then when you, it has to be reversed I, and you have to do it for me it's I like know. it's I'm grasping just a pleasure to be with you maybe <laughs> not sure i'm trying my best but you're awesome too well, you're super you, awesome in my book i would not want anyone else to be here with me today co-hosting the amazing edup experience podcast so i'm looking forward to today have you noticed, Liz, and I'm sure you have, because, you know, there's been some episodes where I have not been able to attend, and then some episodes that you haven't been able to attend, and we mm -hmm. have had co-hosts that come on, mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. it's it's great to have a co-host, because, of Absolutely. course, one of the big benefits of having a co-host is that, that, that uh, host can go down a line of questions, you can sure. prep your next questions, you don't have to be sure. ready all the time, yes. but you can't make fun of the fill-in co-hosts as much yeah. as you can make fun of me, right? That's true. But the advantage of having a fill-in co-host when you're not here is that both of us make fun of you oh, behind your back. I see. So and also I have heard thing. that. Yes, I have yes. heard some of that that take place. Yes. I do need to know, Liz, before we introduce our guest today, what are we feeling for entrance music today? And what kind of mood are we in? If you're going to walk into a room it's going to, the song is going to define you and your mood today. What song's playing as you enter the room? Oh my gosh. You know what song just popped into my mind and I'm not even sure why this is, but you know, that song in the club by 50 mm -hmm. cents. Bum, 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 bum. 
I can just imagine myself, yeah, walking into the club, like, or walking into the podcast booth, like, yeah, so I think that's going to be my entrance music in the club. I like that. Yeah, I like that. I, we, yeah. we see you coming. That's, that's yeah, nice. That's We're going to ask our that, guest. That bass gonna, line comes in. You cannot mistake that bass line. It's unforgettable. I'm yeah. going to go with, um, you know, I don't know if you know this. Uh, there's a there's a group called the Lonely Island. You ever heard of them before? I have not. Is that like rock or? No, it's rap. It's, it's actually oh, rap. Okay. So, so okay. it's a, the um, uh, Andy Samberg. He was actually on Saturday Night Live. Him huh. and a couple of his buddies, they used to do these shorts on Saturday Night Live uh, called the Lonely Island. And they, they do I one called the Chronicles of Narnia. It's, it's, it's funny. So. <laughs> You see, but there's one the Chronicles of Narnia, the, the Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe. Exactly. Is that what you're talking about? It, it goes the Chronic What Calls of Narnia. It's like that's so it's you know, wow. it's all about uh, other other things that are, don't have to do with higher education. Little anyway, known trivia. There we go. Being, Thank you. Thank yes, you. I I've moved recently, moved my family of four in, into yes. a new house, yes. and so yes. my song. Thank you. My song I'm going with is called "I'm on a Boat," right? And okay. it features T Pain. I don't know if you ever heard it. You should look it up. I'm on a boat. I'm going to look that up. Literally, as soon as we get off the podcast recording, I'm going to. I love T Pain. So I'm here for it. So I'm, you I'm should here. listen to it. You're going to get I'm a crack on it. And someone then I'll make listening. fun of you next time. Yeah. Someone listening today has heard I'm on a boat by the okay. Lonely Island and T Pain. All right. And, and I, I say that because as I'm picking up boxes and I'm moving weight benches and I'm moving, mm-hmm. you know, very heavy furniture, mm-hmm. I imagine myself that I'm on a boat Aww. sailing. The, the blue waves instead of moving boxes. So well, let's hope you're not on a boat like uh, Tom Hanks in Castaway. Let's hope that the boat is just like just offshore and you're going to go back to the beach and have a barbecue and have fun for the rest of the afternoon. Always bringing me back to reality, Elizabeth. <laughs> Lie by everyone. Uh, speaking of somebody making waves. You like yes, that? I love that segue. Good job. She's our special guest today and her name is Erica Leodis. And she is the incoming executive director at the Alliance for Innovation and Transformation. Erica, how are you doing today? Hi, Joe. Hi, Liz. I'm so excited to be here today. I'm a big fan of the show. Are you more of a fan of Elizabeth or of Mm. me? This always gets embarrassing. This is so cringeworthy when you do this. It's okay if you say me, Erica. I mean, like we spoke about before the call started, you know, we respect. I so doubt that happened. You know what? You two are such a dynamic duo. You're like peanut butter and jelly. Best served together. Ooh, oh, politician, if good you Good job. <laughs> that was phenomenal, Erica. That's an answer I would give. Like, <laughs> totally. I'm here for it. Love it. Well, I'm leading with the most important question today, which is, have you or have you not heard of the Lonely Island and T-Pain, I'm on a boat? Okay, so the second you mentioned the Lonely Island, I immediately thought of Andy Samberg and Chris Parnell, and I'm sitting here singing in my head the chronic What Calls of Narnia. <laughs> exactly right. Wow! You know what? I'm out of the loop now, so I'm going to look this up as soon as I get off of here. Oh, it's definitely worth a listen. I'm I sure feel like I'm I've sure out pop cultured You have, before. which is hard to do. So Take I'm that. definitely, yeah, I'm, I'm definitely uh, <laughs> going to have to pop, brush up on my pop culture because of you. I got to step my game up 100%. There you go. Uh, well, Erica, we, we, we're so happy to have you here. Uh, the Alliance for Innovation and Transformation, better known as AFIT, uh, it will be a lot easier for us to refer to things today as AFIT. As we talk, you're the incoming executive director. Why don't you just give us a once over? What is AFIT? 
uh, what do you guys do at AFIT? And then we're going to dive in and ask some, uh, some questions of you. Sure. So AFIT is an association for innovative CEOs of higher education institutions and the organizations that support them. And our members are dedicated to transforming not only their organizations, but also the future of higher education. And there are really three things that make AFIT unique. The first is our learning partners. We partner with leading organizations outside of higher education to expose our members to new ideas, innovative thinking, best practices that they can translate into strategic initiatives for their own organizations. So for example, one year we learned about leadership excellence and organizational creativity from learning partners at Disney and NASA. Two years ago, we explored how to create a culture of innovation from one of the most innovative companies of our time, Apple. And this year, we'll be reimagining the future after disruption with help from four learning partners, including Microsoft, the Granger Network, Ideas Brand Experience, and the Society for College and University Planning. The second thing that really makes AFIT unique is our team learning approach. If you've ever been to a conference, you know we generally go to conferences on our own, but AFIT is different. Our members don't come to our annual Summer Institute alone. They bring an entire team. And the program is designed to allow them to work closely with all of these innovative thought leaders and then split off and have dedicated team time to do a deep dive into the concepts that they're learning and explore how they might translate those concepts into strategic initiatives that they can implement back at campus. And the result of this approach is that teams leave Summer Institute with actionable ideas and strategies and, most importantly, the buy-in they need to implement them and take action on them when they get back to campus. And then the third thing that makes AFIT unique is our CEO networking sessions. A common refrain I have heard from CEOs over the years is that it's lonely at the top. And for our members at AFIT, our monthly CEO networking sessions are the answer to that. Every month, our member CEOs get together on Zoom for a facilitated discussion about timely, relevant topics that are impacting their campuses or their organizations. And since this benefit is available exclusively to our member CEOs and select invited guests, these networking sessions have become a sort of safe space, if you will, for them to have candid conversations about their challenges and exchange ideas and resources. So it really has become the answer to that problem of it's lonely at the top. Interesting. So who's the best CEO and who's the worst CEO? That... <laughs> Liz told me to ask that question. I was like, Liz, I'm not going to ask that. But Liz, I would yeah. never. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, she did. Anyway, um, Erica, you, you, um, when I go and I look at the about section of your website, there's a key piece, which is the time is now, right? There's, considerable changes facing higher education, uh, networking, getting feedback from others is really important. And there used to be, or I've heard it many times, and I'm sure you have, and I know you have too, Liz, that this, you know, let's make incremental changes to increase business or perfect our model or to help students, but incremental changes aren't good enough to sustain operations. So what stance does AFIT take is, because we're talking about innovation and technology, right? Which implies fast. So it can't be about incremental change. It has to be about transformative change, right? 
Absolutely. And it's interesting you bring that up because historically, we did focus on incremental change. You know, AFIT was founded 30 years ago, back in 1991, originally as the Continuous Quality Improvement Network, otherwise known as Sequin. And our focus for many years was more incrementally minded. But then, back in 2018, we recognized that given the immense challenges facing higher education, incremental change was not going to be enough. And so we ourselves transformed to become the Alliance for Innovation and Transformation, enabling us to create the conditions for our members to innovate, transform, and really shape the future of higher education. And we do that by exactly what I mentioned a few minutes ago, enabling our members to learn from some of the most innovative companies in the world, and then giving them that dedicated team time to engage with their teams at a deep level to take what they're learning and turn it into actionable strategies that will eventually result in real transformation and do all that with the support and guidance of their fellow CEOs. You know, Liz, um, uh, if you want to pop in, always talks about how she mentors me and how important the (laughs) mentoring that I receive is. Uh, So I don't know if I say thank you, Liz, or something else, but I, I do enjoy uh, reading uh, Erica specifically about the CEO sessions because it, there is power in networking, right? There is power in feedback. Liz, uh, Liz, you've been known to give me uh, feedback from time to time. Is that correct? I give you feedback, but then you don't really implement it that well. So I'm just going to have to work on that a little bit, maybe some coaching in addition to some of the feedback. Or I thought my intro of you was pretty spectacular today. <laughs> that is actually, you know what? Yeah, you're absolutely right. You have Erica, it's, it's a daily area, occurrence so. as we record. Yeah. It's like better okay. intro, Joe, get the intro yeah. better. It's not spectacular enough. And so yeah. I try to jazz you're, it But you're getting there. You're getting there. So we'll definitely work on that. <laughs> and I'd love to drill down into that idea of mentorship and the idea of collaboration, because I think that oftentimes for myself working in higher ed, and I'm sure that Joe experiences that as well. Sometimes you're on a campus and you almost feel like you're working in a vacuum. You know, you have the way that things have been done and things tend to have been done that way for quite a lot of time. And then sometimes you have like a new person comes into the leadership team or, you know, whatever the case may be, and you will have a slight pivot or some changes that happen, but for the most part, things tend to stay sometimes quite, um, uh, I guess, traditional or stagnant, whatever the case may be. And we don't get as many opportunities sometimes as we would like to get out and network. Can you speak to that, how that collaborative environment with leaders within organizations able to draw on the experience from leadership at organizations from across the country, what that does to help in terms of the mission of what your organization is doing and how that impacts the individuals that are engaged in some of these different initiatives and some of these different programs that you have through your organization. You know, the other day I was talking to one of our members who is a community college president in Arizona, and he was telling me that when he worked his way up through the ranks in higher education, he always had other peers he could turn to for advice. When he was at a director level, there were always other directors in the organization that he could talk to. When he was at a VP level, same thing. But once he reached that CEO level, it was just him. There aren't other CEOs at his college that he can talk to. So it can be kind of a lonely experience. Through our CEO networking sessions at AFIT, our members are getting that advice and camaraderie that they want and need. And in terms of collaboration, what often happens is that 
these leaders will share what they're doing at their colleges so others in the group can adapt those ideas and concepts for their own colleges. One example that comes to mind recently was with regards to the pandemic. One of our recent CEO networking sessions was a discussion about creative solutions to equitably address faculty and staff guidelines for returning to campus versus working remotely. And our members were not only talking about what they were doing at their respective campuses, but they also shared the policies they drafted for others in the group to build on. So when you think about that type of idea sharing and collaboration, and then you add into the mix our learning partners from outside of higher education, you can see how it really inspires out-of-the-box thinking. The other day, I was talking to one of our members who's a community college president in Illinois, and she was telling me about the year we had the USGA, the United States Golf Association, as a learning partner. And going into that summer institute, she was thinking, what can I possibly learn from golfers? But as it turned out, they have a unique approach to their scorecard, which inspired this member and her team to adopt a similar scorecard model at their college to measure institutional effectiveness. So that's how peer networking and collaborative learning drive innovation and transformation for our members. I love that because I I think that you're absolutely right. There is this sense of when you get to a certain level, who do you turn to for advice? Who's been through what you've been through? Who can authoritatively speak to going through that situation and come up with some innovative ideas? And, And I love this idea of collaboration outside of education as well, because I think that there are so many lessons that we can learn from corporate partnerships and from seeing what businesses uh, outside of the sector tend to do and what they tend to do well, student-centered approach compared to a customer-centered approach and things of that nature. What do you think is one of or some of the feedback that you've heard from your members in terms of best practices and things that as a sector we should model when it comes to other sectors, whether it's, you know, I, I often think, think about, and I think we talked about this yesterday, Joe, um, us being more responsive to anticipating student needs. Like when we think about Amazon or Netflix, they almost know what we want, right? They have it in our, in our queue before we even know what we want. Have your members expressed that in terms of some of the things you, you mentioned, that scorecard, which I think is absolutely fascinating, that, that example. What are some of the things that your members have maybe expressed that they think they could learn or have learned from uh, corporate partnerships or, or corporate trainings or influence from outside of the sector? And, and what are some of the things maybe that they're asking for in terms of programming and things that you think would be beneficial for them? Well, Liz, if you were to ask our members what they've learned, each one would probably bring up a different learning partner or concept because what I found is that different things resonate for different people. So, for example, just last week I was talking to one of our members who's a community college president in Iowa, and he was telling me about this aha moment he had years ago learning from Disney. He was saying that learning from the Disney way helped him realize how much an environment can impact your experience. So think about the experience of going to Disney World. Now translate that to a student's experience on your college campus. 
it changed how he looked at his campus and made him really stop and think about how the campus environment was shaping their students' experience at the college. That aha moment actually inspired an equal opportunity learning program that equipped every learner at their college with a MacBook Air to ensure all students, regardless of their financial background, had the same tools and resources and opportunity to be successful. And in turn, that created a common experience that faculty were able to plan and teach around. Now, if you were to ask another member, you'd probably get a totally different response. In fact, just yesterday, I was talking to one of our members who's a college president in Arizona, and she was telling me that her college spent three years doing a deep dive into trust. Trust! It sounds like a simple thing, but we had a learning partner a few years back named David Horsager, who wrote a book called The Trust Edge, and his book explored a framework known as the Eight Pillars of Trust. Well, our member and her team took those eight pillars and wove that framework into everything they do, right down to the emails they send. So in terms of what have our members learned and taken away, it really seems that our different learning partners and the concepts they bring forward resonate differently for each of our members. You also asked about future programming, and there's strong interest right now in topics like technology, artificial intelligence, and the entrepreneurial mindset. You mentioned Amazon, and like Amazon, our members are interested in finding and exploring new and innovative ways to anticipate students' changing needs and meet them where they're at. There's also a strong interest in culture right now, particularly as we emerge from the pandemic, learning how to be together again and exploring the psychological impact of what we've all been through. So those are some of the topics we'll be exploring for future programs. Hey everyone, this is Joe, just reminding you to check out our website at www.edupexperience.com where you can find and explore all of the content that we've released under the EdUp Experience brand including multiple podcast series, EdUp Elites, EdUp Embedded, and EdUp Experts. You can also suggest topics or guests for our podcast. Then head over to YouTube, check out our channel, The EdUp Experience, and you're going to find that my amazing co-host, Elizabeth Liba, has started a new web series called EdUp Unplugged, where she talks about racism in America with special guests coming on that web series. We've got a lot going on at the EdUp Experience. Again, check out our website at www.edupexperience.com. Now let's get back to our guest. Erica, you talk uh, just to talk about your personal journey just for a second, because I, I think we spoke once and you mentioned you'd been with AFIT for six years, which is about one-tenth of the time Liz has spent in higher education. Oh, yeah. My time in higher education far, far, far exceeds exceeds that. Yeah. Greater than Arrow. um, Yes. You know, greater than Arrow. Gosh, I feel like I'm on fire today. Anyway, Eric, six years uh, at AFIT, you're um, taking over the role, important role of executive director. Yes. How did that come to pass? How are you feeling about it? And when is when is your official uh, time to uh, take the mantle and in, in leading? 
AFIT? Yeah, so I've spent the past almost 20 years in sales, marketing, and advertising in the B2B, business-to-business space. And as you mentioned, I joined AFIT six years ago as the marketing coordinator. And I quickly discovered that there is an infectious energy and spirit of connection among our members that honestly, I have never experienced at any other organization. And so when our current executive director, John Politti, announced his plans to retire at the end of the year, it was an easy decision to throw my hat into the ring because I feel so passionate about the work we're doing and I care so much about our members that I really wanted to see this organization continue to thrive for the next 30 years and be beyond. I feel incredibly honored to have been chosen for the position and I also feel really fortunate because John has done an incredible job over the past 12 years along with our staff and our executive committee in building a really strong organization and fostering that sense of community among our members. So I will officially step into the role of executive director on January 1st and I just feel so privileged and so excited for this opportunity to lead this great organization into the future. We had the opportunity, Liz and I and Elvin, all to meet John, I think. Um, I think you were there, Liz, but we, we had an opportunity to meet John, and uh, he seems like an amazing guy. So kudos to John and the work that you've done to grow AFIT and, and membership. And Erica, I want to come back to that question because I think it is one of the most important ones, which is why AFIT? If I'm an institution leader sitting over to the side, maybe I've never heard of AFIT, maybe I have heard of AFIT, thought about membership, haven't pulled the trigger. Why is membership in AFIT such an important step? Well, whether you are a first-time president or you've got a few decades of experience under your belt, there is something valuable for everyone at AFIT. Some of our members who are newer to the presidency really gravitate to our monthly CEO networking sessions because they view it as an opportunity to learn from some of our more seasoned members about how they're approaching a particular challenge or situation. And it's also an opportunity for them to validate their thinking. For some of our more tenured members, they really like to sink their teeth into the innovative ideas our learning partners are bringing to the table. And of course, they all value having that dedicated team time at Summer Institute because they just don't have long stretches of uninterrupted focus time when they're back on campus. So it's a really productive experience for them. I also think the spirit of connection that exists within our membership is really special. We actually limit our membership to only 50 members, and we do that intentionally to foster a tight-knit community and intimate learning environment. So when you come to our Summer Institute program, it's not like other conferences where you get lost in the crowd. Instead, you're surrounded by a sea of familiar faces and friends who are on a similar journey. And you have access to our learning partners and the ability to work really closely with them. It's really the most unique association I've ever seen. I've, I like that, right? Because then you can, you know, what comes out of of membership like that is is ideas that you get to follow up on. It's not one-off relationships. You got an idea and you never see that person again. It could be every bit you're running into that person. That idea gets refined over time and maybe gets implemented somewhere, tested somewhere and creates results that become shared with the group. So that that level of mentorship and coaching, I think is really important for higher education right now as we try to figure out, right? I guess, um, and I'm not in on the, the inside, but I'd guess that that's a big topic right now is figuring out what higher ed's going to look like. 
Right. What's the, what's the, I mean, is there sweat on the brows of the members? Is it quiet confidence at this point? Talk, talk to us about how the general feeling is of the CEOs and presidents that your, that your membership includes. Well, one of the great things about our members is that they're so committed to the mission of their organizations. And I think that at their core, they're optimistic individuals. Of course, that said, there are many, many concerning challenges facing higher ed right now and threatening its future. But our members are doing the hard work because they are optimistic. You know, the CEO networking sessions that I mentioned a few minutes ago are actually a new member benefit that we introduced during the pandemic. And that was in response to our members' needs. As you can probably imagine, college presidents were inundated with really high stakes decisions every day during the height of the pandemic. And they were experiencing what's called decision fatigue, which is a concept we learned about last year from a learning partner at the United States Air Force Academy. Our members really needed a safe space to be able to navigate all of those many unknowns together. And so the CEO networking sessions were born out of that need. And today it continues to be a place where they can vent frustrations and have open, honest dialogues about what they're going through as the leaders of their organization. It's also a place where we can explore what the future holds and how to navigate the unknowns as well as the possibilities. Elizabeth. I would love to have you put on your marketing cap as someone that spent so much time working in that area and having such a vast amount of experience with um, the writing and the creative and the marketing aspects of it. And talk about as a sector a little bit just from your vast amount of experience as well as having so many interactions with colleges and universities and the leadership from across the country how we as a sector can get better with that. Joe, it comes a little bit more in depth from that area. I was peripheral to that area because I started in admissions. And I'm always, I guess, very surprised that colleges and universities are not more adept with some of the aspects. Some of the big online schools, I think, have had more time, I think, to, to hone in on that. And I think some of the big schools, like the state schools, they kind of don't need to do it as much because they have a football team. They have other things that draw the, the branding, such as the elite schools, have other things that draw students. But for some of the, the mid-range schools that don't necessarily have a niche and haven't really invested in the marketing, can you speak a little bit just from the professional perspective as to how, in your opinion, they can be better? And then also from the perspective of your organization, what are some of the things that you think in terms of initiatives or programming or collaboration with outside organizations and, and networking that can be done so that we as a sector do better to address that area where it's going to be more and more competitive? How do we get students to understand what our um, value proposition is, what our branding is? And, and as we go into post-COVID, how do we differentiate ourselves in this increasingly crowded and uh, the, the students and for myself I have a Gen Z students uh, student who's in school now in college now they're not as I think um, motivated you know for, as maybe the previous generations it was like that was the thing to do I think a lot of times they're kind of waiting and they kind of make their own decisions so how do we kind of um, tool ourselves so that we're meeting the needs of this type of student from the marketing perspective 
Yeah, so you asked a few different questions in there, and as I was thinking about my response, it really comes down to the same answer, which is listening and incorporating the student perspective into your communication strategy. I think this is where my marketing and sales background will really serve me well in the executive director role because as a marketer, you're trained to listen to what your customers want. If you take the time to ask your customers what they really want, they will tell you. I've talked to a handful of college presidents who've admitted that their institutions haven't done the best job listening to their students. One president recently explained that dynamic as feeling like it's her job to know what's best for students, and so it feels almost counterintuitive to ask them what they want and need. But one of the things I've learned through my work over the years is that if you take the time to ask your customers the right questions, they will tell you everything you need to know to be successful. So with that said, one of the things I'm doing this summer and fall as I prepare to step into the executive director role on January 1st is a listening tour with all of our members to find out why they joined AFIT, why they continue renewing their membership, how we can add more value for them, what type of learning partners do they want to hear from in the future, what type of concepts do they want to explore. My goal is to make sure that AFIT remains really in tune with our members' needs so we can continue delivering that high level of value they've come to know and expect that makes them want to continue their membership. One more question before I turn it back over to Joe, because I'm really curious about this as well. What role do you think social media is going to play? Because that's another question. And since you're in this marketing, uh, you have a lot of experience and background in the marketing area. That's another thing that I think um, sometimes baffles myself and Joe is that schools don't seem to be as invested in maybe looking at social media or brand or just how to position themselves from that perspective. Is that a question that you hear sometimes from members or is that something that you've observed? And, and what are your thoughts about how schools might be able to use um, internet marketing, digital, social media as, a, as kind of a strategy for how to position themselves? Yeah, I mean, a core principle of marketing is reaching the right people with the right message at the right time. So if your students are using certain social media platforms, you absolutely need to be looking at those to evaluate how they might fit into your strategy. That's not to say you should use them all, because as we've seen, there's a proliferation of new technology. And I actually think you can do yourself a disservice by adopting so many platforms that you can't keep your content fresh and engaging. So you have to focus your approach, and it all comes back to listening taking the time to understand what platforms your different student segments are using and evaluating if those platforms are the right vehicles you need to use to deliver your message. There's not a one-size-fits-all approach here. What works for one institution may not work for another, so you really need to listen to the people you're trying to communicate with. You know, let me let me just bring in a little, a little thought here. Erica, and this isn't necessarily directed at you, but more as a just a conversation around Liz's question. I think, and Liz, you know this. I mean, you look at some of the leaders we've spoken with. When you're talking about transparency and you're talking about product, you know, because like you guys, I go on Amazon and I'm looking at the reviews for a product and you know, I, I could love the product I'm looking at, but I look at the reviews and the reviews, you know, say that only a hundred have reviewed it and 90 are bad. I'm not going to buy it no matter how much I like it. It, it. The same goes for, for any product I buy. And specifically for universities, part of the product that you're buying is 
is the leadership. You, you want to know who's behind the curtain at the top, top level, the college president, in my opinion. This is my opinion. No one here has to agree with me and nobody listening has to agree with me either. Um, but but it's, uh, you, you know, my thought is, is that your visibility as a leader, as a college president is as much or more powerful than any branding your university can do. And I bring up an example, Liz, I, I and, uh, give a shout out to Dr. Claudia Schrader, who uh, was the first uh, a black uh, uh, president, uh, female president, come on the Edup experience. But I just saw a video of her. Um, they're doing their graduation and she was walking in her cap and gown down. I don't know where the heck she was in, in uh, uh, Kingsborough Community College in uh, Brooklyn or whatever, wherever it is. And she's walking in her regalia and she put it on Twitter and she put it on LinkedIn and she put it all over. And, and my thought was, if you're a student and you're looking and thinking about going to a community college and you see the president, you know, stage in, in a way, this, you know, walk where she's looking at the camera and she's doing her little strut. It, it, it exudes this level of, of organic, I don't know, just so much. There's so much importance around being a leader who's visible on social if you want to be in the game. And higher ed, historically, Erica, and you know this as a marketer, historically, higher education leaders, and not even historically, currently, most higher education leaders are horrible at social media horrible now there's some exceptions for sure but by and large it's not like technology companies where you have a leader who's really out on social and visible what do you think about what i'm saying am i full of it or do you think there's something to that well i don't necessarily think they're horrible at it i think that college leaders have so much on their plate that it's not been a top priority for many of them i mean you know better than anyone you both have a huge amount of followers on social media that didn't happen by accident that takes time but i think what you're tapping into is that if you invest the time and you show up in an authentic way you can really set the tone for your institution and i do agree with that you mentioned dr claudia schrader the president of kingsborough community college in brooklyn and i am familiar with her through her social media presence and i think she's a glowing example of how to do it right but for those who may be missing the mark or not engaging in social media at all, I think it more often than not comes down to competing priorities and a lack of time. You know, I, I, I'm i going to push back on that and go, and you know this too, Erica, so much about being social savvy is working it into your time instead of spending time on it, um, you know, setting time aside for it. It just sort of becomes part of your everyday layup drills, if you will. And once you can integrate it into your, your thought processes, like what am I doing right now? I could, I could turn it into this or turn it into that. It becomes much easier to manage, right? Absolutely. It's a mindset shift. And, and I have to push back about, I have to push back against your pushback because I think for some people. <laughs> That's not, that is not allowed here <laughs> at the other experience. What are you going to do? Throw a flag on the play? <laughs> yes, so, okay. it, is a, it is a red flag right it here. Go a ahead. Red flag right there, but I think that 
there is something to be said about, and maybe Erica can speak to this as far as what AFIT does, modeling, right? So if I'm a leader and maybe I've come from another school where I was a VP, or maybe I've been a, a leader, a, a CEO or vice a president at another college, but some of I'm going to a brand new school, or maybe I'm working my way through un, unseen, char, uncharted waters at my school, which we know the pandemic is an example of that. Sometimes I think that there's a lot to be said about modeling, right? So if I see um, Claudia Schaefer, Dr. Schaefer doing that, then it's like, oh, wait a second. That's something that I can do. I think sometimes there is something to be said, and maybe um, Erica can speak to this a little bit, about that collaborative atmosphere where you have presidents, and I think we've seen this on the podcast as well, able to be a little bit vulnerable and try something that they haven't tried because they see another leader trying it. Whereas if they hadn't seen that model, maybe they would think, well, that's not something that I should do, or maybe that's going to fall flat. So I don't want to spend time. You know, I don't want to invest a year on social media if that's not something that even is going to be worth my time. I have like 50 other things on my plate. And maybe that time investment, if I see Claudia Schaefer has started a podcast, or I see uh, that this uh, leader is being really active on social media, then it gives me a little bit more of an inspiration or a model to follow. So I know exactly how to do that, that vulnerability, that authenticity, able for them to, do you see that Erica, where they're able to kind of let their guard down a little bit? I think with the leader, sometimes they kind of feel like they somewhat have to know the answers. That's kind of like their job. And sometimes navigating some of these um, areas such as social media or marketing or just anything in a leadership role can be a little bit daunting if you uh, haven't done them before. What do you find with your members? I mean, modeling is at the core of our model, right? Our members are constantly sharing what they're doing, what's working, what's not working, so other members can decide if that's something that they want to try. Um, in terms of a member who's doing it well, one person who jumps to mind is Dr. Daniel Kaur. He's the president of Arizona Western College, and I mention him because he's not only active on social media, both personally and as an institution, but he also has a video blog on YouTube called The Core Report, and he uses that to communicate with his campus community, and I think that gives him really nice visibility. You also mentioned letting your guard down, and it made me think of our annual Team Pride contest that we host at Summer Institute. This is something we started a few years ago to encourage our members to engage with the learning theme and have a little fun in the process. And the way it works is that each year we announce a handful of contest categories with very loose guidance, and our members and their teams are encouraged to really let their creativity run wild. Well, one of my all-time favorite memories was back in 2019. Our learning theme that year was transformative leadership, and our Team Pride contest challenged teams to bring the theme to life. And Dr. Roger Stanford, the president of Western Technical College in Wisconsin, showed up in a full-on Transformer costume. And his team members all had matching t-shirts with their Transformer names on them. I mean, it was epic, truly. You know, these are high-level people, and it was great to see them, as you said, let their guard down and have a lot of fun with this. Well, I'd like to push back on Liz's pushback of my pushback. But oh, I'm gonna, I love that. Good I'm job. Gonna, I'm going to save it for off recording when the real <laughs> fireworks happen. Oh, yeah. And then what's going to happen? <laughs> Erica, what did... Nothing. What did <laughs> hey, what did we mess about AFIT 
um, that we, that you think would be important for the audience to know? Anything that's coming up that uh, you guys are working on? Anything we didn't get to today? Absolutely. Our annual Summer Institute is coming up on July 28th through 30th. Now, normally these events are held in person, but due to the pandemic, this year's event is being held virtually via Zoom. Our learning theme this year is Reimagination After Disruption, and we've got four stellar learning partners on deck from Microsoft, the Granger Network, Ideas Brand Experience, and the Society for College and University Planning. Now, this is a members-only event, but we do allow a few guests to attend each year if they're interested in considering membership but want to see what our organization is all about. So if that sounds like you and you're interested in being added to our guest list for either Summer Institute or one of our monthly CEO networking sessions, just click on the link in the show notes and fill out the form and a member of our team will be in touch. I also invite you to connect with me on LinkedIn and of course you can learn more about the Alliance for Innovation and Transformation at afithighered.com. Well, there you have it, ladies and gentlemen. Her name is Erica Leodis. I got that right, right? You did. Thank you so much. And thank you for all the great work you two are doing. This was a blast. All right. Well, we, we appreciate your time. And uh, she's the incoming executive director uh, of AFIT. And I encourage everybody to go check it out. It's a uh, forward-looking organization, and there's no better time for innovation and technology uh, to come into play uh, for higher education than now. So check them out. Erica, it's been an honor to have you on the show. Liz, thank you as always. Uh, and- hey, everybody. We hope you enjoyed that episode of the Edup Experience. To learn more about the Edup Experience, please visit our website at www.edupexperience.com and subscribe to our email list. Please share this podcast, head over to Apple, and please give us a rating and review. We appreciate your feedback. And of course, subscribe to the Edup Experience so you're notified when our episodes drop. Here at the Edup Experience, our goal is to make education your business. Thanks for listening.